Let's talk about Taylin. Oh my, 41. We're doing it next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is the March 30th edition of Locked on Jazz. Taylor Horton Tucker drops 41. What have we seen about his development all season long? And what are the next steps? Do the Jazz have another piece here with Taylor Horton Tucker as a part of the main guys moving forward? We're going to know ringing through my ears still today is the comment of the season but let's be careful about what we do know a late game watch as John Morant gets torched plus we'll play our lottery we haven't had luck yet we'll see if we do I'm David Locke radio voice of the Utah Jazz Jazz NBA insider and this is Locked on Jazz your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz giving you insight expertise geeky numbers and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you. You're gonna, there's, a, there's a real reason for this thank you here in a second. Thank you for making us a part of your day, for tuning in to Locked on Jazz, and making us your first listen. We are free and available on all podcasting plat apps. We are available on YouTube. Join the community. Join the group. Be a part of it. Subscribe. Follow. Hit the bell button. But here's a crazy note for you. On this day, March 30th, and I don't know why March 30th, of all things, of 2011, 2011, 12 years ago, we started a show called Tip Off. Tip Off was what we called it. It evolved into a Google Meets. It had a terrible Google Meet moment. It probably was on YouTube. I think the original show is on YouTube. Um, and here we sit. 12 years later, a network built around it. And this is Locked on Jazz. So for those of you who have done this with me for this entire run or been a part of it for a long time, I thank you. Here's a scary thought for you because I'm a numbers guy. So I had a little fun with this today. So let's assume that over the last 12 years, there's 250 weekdays. I, I, during the offseason, we do three days a week. I miss a bunch of time. I think conservatively we do 200 shows a year. That's 2,400 episodes of Locked on Jazz or something of that version. We've done over 2,000 episodes of this. At minimum, we've done 2,000 episodes. Maybe, Maybe 200 shows is too much. So you just, for over 12 years, you drop another 15, 20 shows. We're at 2,000 episodes. We probably could, like, take that number, by the way, if we wanted to have some fun. I probably should have done this for marketing purposes. 
Instead, we do it 180, and we probably should have had a big celebration to 170, done a big celebration, and claimed we're doing our 2000th show. But let's, for the time being, pretend that we do 200 shows a year. So for 12 years, we've done 200 of these shows. This doesn't count postcast. And each show is about 33 minutes long. If that's the case, and you've listened to, oh, I don't know, half of them, you have spent 35,000 minutes with me. Ah! We've done 72,000 minutes worth of Locked on Jazz. If you think you've heard maybe a third of them, then you have spent a grand total of 20,000 hours with me. We're like best friends. I've spent 20,000 hours with you if you've listened to a third of them. 20,000 hours. Is that right? Is that possible? It's crazy. I think the math is off on that somewhere. It can't be right. But the point of this is we've all been doing this together for a long time. For those of you who were with us from the very beginning, it did lead to the network. Your belief in what we were doing led to building the Lockdown Podcast Network. You are allowing me to try and sample and do different things, late game watches and whatever other silly thing we're going to try along the way allowed us to get here. So thank you very much. Truly, truly, truly thank you. 12 years, 200 days a year. 2,400 episodes, 72,000 minutes. Oh, those are minutes, not hours, by the way. Thank God. That's what was wrong with that math. (coughs) It's insane. So thank you very much. And why we started on March 30th, I have no idea. That's really weird to me that we, like... Must have been seen the end of an NBA season and decided we had other things to talk about. I have no idea why we started on March 30th. All right, let's get to last night. Taylor Horton Tucker scores 41. And this is a really interesting story to the season. First of all, the Jazz traded Patrick Beverly for Taylor Horton Tucker. And I still, going to be totally honest as we start this, I'm not entirely sure who Taylor Horton Tucker becomes in the parlance of the Jazz. But let's talk about some things about Taylor. So first, just physical body. He's 6'4", 234 pounds, in a year in which I've professed that the 6'1 guard is done. Unless you're Donovan. Maybe unless you're Trey Young. Like, you have to be so great to be 6'1 and be a guard in this league now. So here's Taylor with this incredible body at 6'4", 234. I'll take you back. To the beginning of the year, we were talking with one of our strength and conditioning guys, and I asked him, "What? who's the best athlete on the team? And you're expecting every time you ask this question, it's going to be Jordan, because Jordan's a world-class athlete, probably would have been a track star. Um, (coughs) And the answer was Taylor. That Taylor probably has the most explosiveness, the most power, the most athleticism of anyone on the team. So now you've got, (coughs) sorry, I've got something in my throat, a 
234-pound, elite, elite, elite athlete. So he grows up in Chicago. He goes to Iowa State for a year. He doesn't have, like, a marvelous year at Iowa State. He averages 12 points, five rebounds, two assists. He plays off ball. He shoots it poorly. He shoots 40% from the field and 31% from three. And he decides he wants to go pro anyway. Like, I'm going to play in the pros. Let's go get there now. Might have... Excuse me, stymied his development a tiny bit. And his first year is 1920. He gets drafted in the second round by Orlando via the Lakers. Officially drafted by Orlando, but really drafted by the Lakers. And he ends up, uh, that pick gets traded that night. Um, He ends up playing just six games with the Lakers. Plays most of the year in the G League. The 2021 year is the COVID year. Which really starts to restrict development by the end of it. So he plays 65 games. That's the, the That year is the COVID year. His next year he comes out is the first non, is the year after COVID, which was pretty limited. He plays 65 games. There's not a lot of practice time that year, if you recall. And in LA, there's two things hurting him. One is COVID. So his rookie year is 1920, where COVID hits. And then 2021 is just not a development year. I actually think there's going to be a group of players in this 19 in the 2019 draft class that possibly develop later than usual because of COVID. There's, there aren't summer leagues. There aren't training camps. There aren't practices. There isn't a G League. Like, there's nothing in 2020, 2021 that allows players to develop in the same fashion that they would have otherwise. If you believe in the NBA development system. If you believe it actually works, then you would in turn believe this. So... You look at him, here's the other part talking to him. You go to the Lakers, and Talon's talked about this with me, and your job is to compliment LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You you have no other job if you play for the Lakers. So here's a guy who shoots 40% from the field in college and 30% from three, who's really becoming, now being told, be a three and D wing out of the corner. Okay, well, that's not really what Talon's that great at. He's not a superb shooter. He probably has to play, learn how to play with the ball in his hands because he's not a great shooter. And if you're not a very good shooter, then you don't end up getting a lot of those opportunities. He shoots 25% on corner threes in his six games as a rookie irrelevant. But he only shoots 18% on corner threes in his first full year at 20 years old with the Lakers. So that's not working. He does take 41% of his shots at the rim. And so you can see the driving ability. And then in the next year, in 21-22, he actually gets a decent amount of time last year on the Lakers. He's playing 25 minutes a night. So he goes from playing 20 to 25 minutes a night. He starts 19 games. He averages 10 points a game, three rebounds, three assists. And they believed in him enough as a second-round draft pick after his second year to sign him to a pretty big contract. He earned 9.5 last year. He's earning 10.6 year this year, and he averages 11 next year. He actually has a player option for 2023-24, so we'll see if he exercises it. But he signed him to a three-year, $30 million deal. So the Lakers believed in him. He also is dealing with, frankly, you know, the Lakers were pretty highly dysfunctional, and basically anyone who ever played for the Lakers and Luke Walton end up becoming better when they leave the Lakers. 
So his opening entry into the NBA is kind of a weird one. It's restricted by COVID. He has a very specific role he has to play for the Lakers. He's not particularly experienced out of college. And then he comes to the Utah Jazz. And let's talk about this season and what he's done as we continue here with Talon Horton Tucker. And we'll look at where he might be going as well. If you kind of like the idea of finding a Talon Horton Tucker, maybe the ultimate for you is ultimate pro basketball GM. Have you ever thought about wanting to be a GM? Do you ever remember like when you used to play video games or in my case board games and you played the game as the GM? Maybe you put it just on stat mode and you played it out. You played the season fast so that you could win. Well, that's what ultimate GM is. It is absolutely fantastic and super fun. And I strongly suggest going to the App Store or the uh, Google Play Store and downloading Ultimate Pro GM and having a blast with it. Plus, we'll make it easier for you by giving you a 100% free boost to your franchise while using the promo code LOCKEDON in the game store. So make sure you check it out. Download the game, probasketballgm.com, or scan the code or look it up in the app stores. It's probasketballgm.com. You get to do it all. You trade your players. You train your players. You hire your coaches. You fire your coaches. You deal with challenging personalities. They've got it all worked into it. It's challenging, realistic, fun game. It's the ultimate pro basketball GM. It's completely free and playable offline. So play on the go. I'll be playing on the plane next to Ron today when he's not paying attention to me. It's pro basketball GM. Ultimate pro basketball GM, 100% boost with lockdown. I got the QR code up on our YouTube page right now. Hopefully you can grab it. Hit pause if you need to. And grab that and download the app. So what has Taylor Horton Tucker done since with the Jazz this year? What's interesting is he did not start well. He got a bunch of time early. He kind of got beat up by Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He was kind of all over the place. And there's actually a really interesting moment of the season where it feels like Nikhil Alexander-Walker's outplayed him. And Will Hardy actually decides, you know what, I'm putting Taylor back in the lineup. And I asked Will, and he's like, you know what? He's got another year on his contract. He's just got some special skills. Like, there was clearly a belief by Will. 20 games in the season, Taylor's shooting 41% from the floor and 27% from three. He's going to the free throw line one time a game. It's not good. Like, the 27% shooting from three is a real problem. So, at that point, I mean, it's really kind of 23 games in the season. He's at 39.5 and 27% from three, and... They don't cut the cord, but he's no longer a regular rotation player. And Will does a nice job. He's out, in, out, in. They, they keep him engaged. He ends up sitting for like five straight. Then he's inactive. Then he sits for four straight. And then we make the trade. Well, now it's back on. So here's a tumultuous season. His career is probably not heading in a great direction. He hasn't shown the ability to shoot. His ability, Will had literally said to me, you know what, he's got, he's got an incredible ability to get downhill. Since the trade deadline, he's played 28 minutes a night. He's shooting 44% from the field, which is not terrible. It's not great. He's shooting four threes a game at 34%. Now that is dramatically different. Four threes is a high volume, and he's at 34%. Can he get that to 36? Looks like he might. 
He was working with Evan Brads before the game, our director of player development. You could see him changing his shot, doing some things differently. And then you get into his unique skills. He's going to the free throw line now four times a game. He gets five rebounds a game. He's 6'4". He's diving out six assists. Yes, he's still turning it over three times. But he's also doing this mostly against starting point guards. And when I start looking at Taylor Horton Tucker, I wonder if he's not a third guard or a backup point guard on a good team who's able to then abuse second-team guards. Maybe, and a lot of second-team guards are smaller. Like, the, the, the small guards that exist in our league are actually kind of hiding, as Tyus Jones is of the world, as second-team guards. So now you're a second-team guard, and I got Taylor Horton Tucker at 6'4", 235, coming downhill at you. I also believe a little bit that second units are able, are players like a Jordan Clarkson, players like a Colin Sexton, players maybe like a Taylor Horton Tucker play a little bit more one-on-one isolation are valuable in second units. That you need somebody to be high usage, you need somebody to create shots, and you need somebody to be able to make plays just purely out of basketball, not out of systems, on second units. And that's where those guys get valuable. When you're playing with Lowry Marketing, you're playing with other good players, hopefully you're not taking that many shots. Like, that's actually an, it's, it's a negative. Here's another. The other thing about Taylor is he's so, almost so athletic and wild that he's not a great rim finisher. We've talked about this a lot on the air. Will Hardy's like, some of it's just not taking the shot at the rim. And depending what number you're looking at, if you look at basketball reference, he's getting to the rim at a pretty high rate. He's getting to the rim 24% of his shots. It was at 30% last year with the Lakers. It was at 41% earlier. Like, he used to just be a rim guy. His rim finishing is at 64% from 0 to 3 feet, according to the uh, basketball reference numbers. I have, I have some numbers that are slightly different than that. That's up from 61% a year ago. What's really interesting about what Taylor's doing this year in his development is the last two years in L.A., when he's playing off of these other guys, up... 35 one year, 41% the next year of his two-point shots were assisted. 35% one year, 41% the next year. This year, only 19% of his shots are assisted. So he's learning how to play this game self-creation right now. That's that's what he's doing. He's playing and self-creating. That's a really difficult way to play. That that usually leads to less efficient shots. Uh, uh, as of a few nights ago, in the restricted area only, so not zero to three. In the Taylor was at fifty eight percent. That's low. Like that number has to come up a little bit for Taylor to be successful. That's the next step of his of his career and his development is figuring out when to take that rim shot and when not to take that rim shot. That That's going to be, and when to pass out. There's a play last night where he drives, passes out, relocates, that I think if we, it is a pretty big play in the sense of like development and, and what the Jazzers 
I've seen out of him because I think that's him beginning to understand how to stay moving, stay engaged, do all those kind of things, um, which are super important for his for him and his development. Uh, so we're seeing these little tiny signs. And then last night he just goes off, right? Inferior opponent, able to take it to him and beat him up pretty good. Uh, the one thing I would say, um, and this is where I have one thing ringing through my head and another thing I would say, like, be careful. Um, in regards to the be careful, um, let's, you know, Luka uh, Samanich looked really good last night. Um, there were some exciting things. You know, he's 6'10". He looks interesting. Uh, Talon was great last night. That was pretty much a G League roster. Like, let's... The Talon conversation we're having, I think, has more value because of the amount now of sample size we're seeing out of it. Whereas, I think you have to be a little careful. Like, the 41-point night, I wouldn't be wowed by. What I would be moved by is, okay, wait a sec, that three-point shooting that's a career 28, now that he's playing every night, picking your spots a little bit more, is up to 34. The rim finishing is getting a little bit better. The ability to play with the ball in his hands instead of being a spot-up three guy is there. He's beginning to show different things. According to basketball reference, he, like, didn't play point guard at all in L.A. ever. In fact, he played more minutes as power forward than he did as point guard. And so when you're now beginning to see him play this point guard night in and night out, you're seeing him learn how to do things. He's drawn more fouls this season than he did in any other year, right? Like he's beginning to figure out more items. And this is where Will has empowered these players to make plays. And I do think at this point, you look at Taylor, and we'll be interesting to see, you know, player option and contract like, this is a player who at 22 years old, you might have a piece. Do I think he's a starting point guard in the NBA? Probably not. Do I think he's a valuable second unit rotation player who could impact games? Absolutely. Absolutely. And those pieces are important also uh, to try to figure out. And I thought last night, obviously, he put on a show. Um, get to know, be careful, late game watch, lottery, all continuing as we proceed on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash Locked on gets you your no bet, no sweat first bet. FanDuel is the official sports book of Locked on. It's the number one sports book in America. And the tournament is heating up. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. Why? Well, the app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And if you're a new customer, you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you're the first bet doesn't win. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net at the end of the weekend. All on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at the no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. And it's opening day of Major League Baseball. So go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook of LockedOn and the number one sportsbook in America. All right. Uh, I just think that's ringing true to me about this jazz season is a comment that someone made to me 
at the beginning of the year was that we will know at the end of the year on our player evaluation that we will know they were talking, this was someone in the Jazz front office. And the comment really was that over the last few years when you're trying to compete every night to win a championship, you end up with players and you just don't know. You just don't know what they're able to do, capable to do. They don't get enough time. You don't get enough experience. We're going to know. And I think we're seeing that. Like, I'm not quite sure why Walker's minutes were down last night, but I think this is an opportunity to see Doak. Like, let's make sure we understand what we have in Doak. Let's make sure we understand what we have in Damian Lee. Let's make sure we have, like, last night the minutes were completely egalitarian. Fontecchio played 17. Nobody played more than 30. Horton Tucker played 30. Nobody else played more than 28. I think we may be seeing that the rest of the way. Let's see our guys. Let's make sure we know. Johnny Juzango is 5 of 9 last night. Let's make sure we know. Lucas Samanich, 6'10", interesting pick, 19th pick of a draft. Like, let's make sure we find out and we know. I think we know about Walker at this point. We know about Ochai. Let's let Juan Toscana Anderson spread his wings a little bit. Let's make sure we know. Um, that was a comment someone made to me. I think it's very much ringing true to what this season is. Um, but I would be really careful when you get excited and evaluating a player right now to make sure you check who they're playing. Right? Last night, the Spurs threw out, I think, maybe one, maybe two NBA rotation players. Maybe. And maybe one or two of them is going to develop into one, but they're not right now. So I'd be really careful about mass excitement until let's see what happens against the Boston team who I think is going to – is Boston coming off – are we seeing Boston the night before they play Milwaukee? Don't they have a big game coming up with Milwaukee here? I think they might play Milwaukee tonight. We get them on the back end of the back-to-back with Milwaukee. They're in Milwaukee tonight, and then they come back to play us. So it'll be interesting to see if we get all of Boston. Um, let's see. Brooklyn is trying to play a play-in game. Let's see how our guys do. Like, those are fi- those are high-quality NBA players. Those games are better tests. So be a little careful about getting excited late in the year about players. This is why the first 20 games mean more than the last 20. All right, late game watch last night. I watched two late games. They're both really interesting. I did not get to Oklahoma City, Detroit, which I actually wanted to. Um, let's start with Clippers, Memphis. So the Clippers killed John Morant. Ja had 36. His box, li- his box score line looks awesome. Dylan Brooks's box score line looks awesome. He had 30. If you watch the final seven minutes of this game, Dylan Brooks takes three terrible shots, thinks he's has, he has on a heater, and kind of kills the Memphis vibe. They don't have Desmond Bain. They don't have Jaron Jackson Jr. And, when they, and they don't have Steven Adams. And they don't have Brendan Clark. And boy, let me tell you what that did to John Morant. Not having another defender, not having two rim defenders, they went after John Morant on every play, and Russell Westbrook annihilated him. And the efforts that Memphis had to try to hide John Morant, have him guard Terrence Mann, then they'd bring Terrence Mann to the pick, have him try to guard somebody else. They tried Bones Highland. They tried to do everything to hide Morant, and Westbrook just went at him time and time and time again, and with no rim defense behind him, it was ugly. 
Open court, John Morant taking the wrong angle. Russell Westbrook running by him. Half court, right side, right hand drive to the rack. Russell Westbrook getting by him. Memphis is super shorthanded right now without all those guys. Um, And it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. The Clippers last night playing without Paul George and without Kawhi Leonard also. So that's where Russell, and Russell was great. Uh, Bones Highland made some plays. The Clippers got super sloppy in the open court and turning the ball over. On the run, Clippers have made a change, and Nicholas Batum's in their starting lineup, but he did not close last night. Eric Gordon's in their starting lineup, but he did not close last night. Again, no Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard for them last night. Um, I thought it was interesting. They didn't close with Norman Powell either. They closed with Robert Covington, who suddenly played 32 minutes, who, you know, like a month ago was completely out of their rotation. But that was the story there. Memphis, that's going to be worth keeping out. Memphis, Stephen Adams has to come around for them to have offensive rebounds. Jaron Jackson has to be there for rim defense. That was that was an exposure of some of their guys. The other one I watched was Dallas-Philly. So Philly's running some great stuff. Like, I, I, I'm, I don't know how you guard the James Harden, Joel Embiid low pick and roll. They're getting it set low, below the three-point line. Harden's coming around. And then Embiid's doing some interesting things. He doesn't always roll. Sometimes he just stops at the free throw line, and then Harden gives him the ball, and then he's at the nail in your action. You can't really double him, and he's just killing people. They did run a Joel Embiid off James Harden pick and roll with Embiid coming to the middle of the floor with the ball in his hands off a Harden pick, which I don't know how you guard it. I actually don't know how you guard that play at all. So think about it for a second. If you're switching it, then Harden's man is suddenly guarding Embiid. That's a problem. If you're not switching it, then suddenly Harden's guy has to drop. But it's a low pick and roll. It's at like 15 feet. And Harden's guy dropping isn't going to do any good for you. And then Harden pops out for a three or Harden's open. You have to bring somebody in from the other side. And then Harris and Maxey are both driving to the rack making plays. DeAnthony Melton had great energy last night. Philadelphia is going to be a playoff problem for someone. When we just get down to isolated plays, those two with the guys, they have good players around them. Philadelphia looks really good late in games right now. Doc Rivers is not a, like a mastermind in any way, shape, or form, but there's a lot of good things happening there. From a, a Dallas standpoint, what's just obvious is that Luke and Kyrie are doing nothing for each other. When Before Dallas traded for Kyrie... They had the best half-court offense in the NBA. We talked about this all the time in late-game watch. People were double-teaming Luka. They were spinning around for guys to make shots. That's all that's happening right now also. Is that either Luka or, or, or Kyrie makes a play, and then they spin it around to get a guy a shot. And what happened in the fourth quarter last night is that Dallas went 3 of 12 from 3 and 7 of 19 overall. And guys, the guys that they suddenly are, are having to make shots aren't making shots. Tim Hardaway Jr., who went 2 of 5, 2 of 4 from 3. Reggie Bullock went 0 of 2 from 3. Jaylen, Josh Green went 0 for 2. Maxi Kleber went 0 for 1. Kyrie wasn't really the problem. He went 2 for 5. It wasn't great. Luka went 2 for 3 with a nasty step back the one time he got free. But the, the issue was, and Hardaway's shots were all early, the issue was is that they're not, they have not gained anything Late in games by adding Kyrie Irving at all. Now, maybe throughout the course of the game, they're supposed to be adding something because then Luka's not as tired, and that was the whole thing And those minutes. But frankly, 
Like, Luke is playing 38 minutes a night, so you make this whole deal for 10 minutes a night when Kyrie's on the floor by himself? Like, that just seems weird. And then, frankly, they desperately miss Spencer Dinwiddie. They miss Dorian Finney-Smith. They miss a lot of guys. So that's just a roster construction, and those guys are not making each other better. All right, let's do our lottery. As of right now, the Jazz are tied with Chicago for ninth. So we slipped a spot. Chicago should win some more games. We'll hold the ninth. I don't think we can catch Washington, though they won last night. So we could have got to eighth. Indiana has clearly pulled the plug. They've lost four in a row. There's no way we're getting to seventh. So we're going to end up either eight, eight, nine, or ten, and then probably slip one from the lottery. Minnesota loses last night. They're at 17. Philadelphia is at 27. So we go into this lottery tied for 9, 17, and 27. We have yet to have any luck. Let's see what happens today on the anniversary of Locked On. The number one pick of the draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Victor Weminyama going to play with Jaden Ivey and the crew. Portland, all their tanking, well worth it. They go to the second pick of the NBA draft to draft Scoot Henderson. And then what do they do with Damian Lillard? That would be interesting. Houston slides to three. This is what's so interesting, by the way. Detroit, Houston, and San Antonio have played have all won less than 20 games. They've lost more than 25% of games. The chances are that one or two of them will be out of the top four by the time. By the time. There's only a 52% chance to flip of the coin that they're in the top four. You flip a coin three times, the chances are you're getting two heads, one tails. Okay, you decide whether it heads is in or out. So the chances are when this is done, that half the time, Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, two of them will be out of the top four for all their tanking. In this case, Houston gets three. San Antonio slides out to five, so Orlando is four. So Detroit one, Portland two, Houston three, Orlando four, San Antonio five, Charlotte slides to six. And then everybody else holds. Indiana goes to seven, Washington to eight, Chicago, whose pick goes to Orlando to nine, so Orlando has the fourth and the ninth pick. Utah to 10. Dallas sends their pick to the Knicks for 11. Oklahoma City, 12. New Orleans, 13. Toronto, 14. We would end up on this one with 10, 17, and 27 for the NBA draft. That is Locked on Jazz today, the anniversary edition. Thank you all so much for your time and your commitment and being a part of my life. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon.